0: Hi, this is Jordan Shively. Hi, this is Brock Wilber, and you're listening to Carrying Into the Void, the podcast where we get together, tell each other about a weird or dark story we've heard, and then we try to find the silver lining and flip it into something that, while probably not positive, will at least be productive. How are you doing today, Brock? I'm doing pretty good. How are you, friend? Doing good, good. Got some good stories to talk about today, so that'll be fun. I
1: got, I got, I got a little thing before we get started. Um, uh, one of our one of our listeners was talking to me uh, earlier today via DM. I reached out just to say that they appreciate that we actually are releasing uh, podcast episodes now with some regularity. Which I was like, yes, sorry, we've been meaning to do that the whole time, but now we're now we're taking it serious. Um. But they also uh, let me know that uh, they've just uh, they've been getting into therapy and it's been hard because they've gone to two different therapists now uh, that don't believe that men have depression. Oh,
0: how do you get licensed to be a therapist and have like that kind of like
1: nonsense? I do not know, but also, like, I was just like, just play, play an episode of this show for them. That, that should, that should clear that right up. Yes. <laughs> Welcome to two sad boys. Uh, you, you can just show them. <laughs> yeah, we have lots of depression. We, we have, we have, we have bonus depression. Uh, you can, you can download that too. Just bring it in.
0: <laughs> also, don't even fucking play anything for that person. Just tell them to fuck off and find a new, a new therapist. Cause that's lost cause that they're going to be having that bullshit. You
1: know, w- weirdly, your fuck off answer was the more medically accurate response to this. <laughs> yeah. Well,
0: today I'm going to talk about the Highgate Vampire. Oh, my God. <laughs> this is an- another episode where we have a small trigger warning before it because there are descriptions of violence to animals. And if that's something that you really bothers you, then we'll have another episode for you next week. Sorry that you have to deal with that. So here is the Highgate Vampire story. Throughout history, people have claimed to be vampire hunters. From the Sabotnik and the Vampyrdizia of Bulgaria to the very much less impressive characters in today's story. The Highgate vampire story starts in London, in the eponymous cemetery of Highgate. Highgate Cemetery was established in 1839. It started out as one of the most high-toned cemeteries of its day, but gradually fell into disrepair and was damaged in the bombing raids of World War II. It soon became a place where youths would loiter and rumors of occult symbols and going ons began to, begin to sim- circulate. It was because of this that in 1969, nice, that the British Occult Society began to investigate the cemetery. And let me tell you, they were a lot less the crack BPRD. Kind of investigatory team than their name implies. British Occult Society just is like, yeah, these guys are gonna be have their little cases full of whatever. Not the case. <laughs> Good one. Yeah. They, they didn't have like a bowler hat that it became protoplasm or something. I don't know. <laughs> but they were drawn to the rumors that something stalked the cemetery at night. Something tall and dark with glowing eyes that could paralyze people on site. There were two main investigators, David Ferrant and Sean Manchester, and they were definitely not on the same team, even though they were both from the occult society. They spent a good part of their time disparaging each other's methods to the newspaper. Oh my God. To the extent that at one point there was a newspaper headline that said something like wizard
1: duel at Highgate. <laughs> Oh, my God! <laughs> Which I would like to track down and get framed we We have to find like some picture of the two of them fighting and have somebody do the two of us as as new album uh podcast art for this show. <laughs> Apparently, they posed a lot with pictures of like their vampire hunting
0: tools and stuff, and like we're always like issuing like you've gotta be shitting me issuing like um like challenges to each other and stuff, and at some point, you wonder how much of that is theater that two con man playing off of each other. Shouldn't the challenge have been defeating <laughs> vampires? No, no, no. Um, when it gets to the end, we'll see. They definitely didn't have the same endings for each other. So if it was all okay. part of some big plan, then at some point it went awry. Um, Ferrant started his investigation on December 21st, 1969. Nice. <laughs> By camping out in the cemetery overnight it! <laughs> <laughs> God damn it. during a winter solstice. Cause he's a big occultist. He's like, I'm going to camp out in a cemetery. I'm going to do it on a solstice. He of course claimed to have seen a creature that was seven feet tall and had glowing eyes. It also of course vanished. When he looked away, he wrote to the paper about it and received a flood of reports over the next several months of people having had similar occurrences. Around the
1: same time, Sean. Wait, wait, wait! They, 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 they published his thing. I, 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 I heard it as he like wrote to the paper and was like, "What'd you see? What, what was this?" And the paper wrote back like, "We don't know." No, he
0: wrote that he had seen this. Like he was like reporting to the newspaper, gotcha. and then the newspaper is like, "Have you seen it? Um, leave us, a, leave us a comment, you know."
1: <laughs> but um, smash the smash that fear button. Yeah, it was a
0: comment, a really like crazy comment section on there, like paper (laughs) forum or whatever whatever the olds called it when they would write right things around this same time sean manchester reported he was finding sacrificed animals that had been drained of blood and they all had two holes in their neck and that is the big bullshit of his part of the story because at least to me anytime i hear a vampire story that has any credence to it at all it's A creature with a mouthful of teeth that rips open the neck completely and to get to the to like drink from like the veins and stuff not like this little two dracula teeth that if you think about it if it's the size of a tooth it's going to have like a hollow about the size of a needle inside of it and if you ever give him plasma it takes like fucking like two hours to give like a cup of blood or whatever so if he's draining and these big animals he's like sitting there for like (laughs) 12 hours with it in his
1: mouth going. N-n-n-n-n-n-n. It's like, it's, a, it's more of like a whole weekend thing. Yeah. The
0: double fang <laughs> hole thing to me in vampire lore is like dumb. If it really <laughs> is real, there's going to be like a completely ripped out throat. You know, I just appreciate the wording of like, I don't give credence to this one <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, like some type of tool that opens a vein for bloodletting, you know, not like, right. not like two small pinholes. <laughs> um, He went on to claim that the shadowy figure that had been seen in a cemetery was a vampire, but not just any vampire, a king vampire (laughs) brought over by a rich aristocrat from Wallachia. And all the supposed satanic activity was all an attempt to resurrect it. Um, And if this sounds familiar, it's because it is. The dude was basically cosplaying the plot of Dracula. What? (laughs) It's like, dude, this is a pretty good LARP you got going on here. But, you know, the police are getting involved and everything. It's time to, like, dial back the fanfic. However, Manchester vowed to exercise it and was willing to put his life on the line to do it. Because he's a big, tall vampire man. Over the next few months, the police started patrolling the cemetery and caught quite a few vandals trying to break into crypts. But for a while, it seemed like that's all it was, until the night of August 1st, 1970. That night, responding to a call of a disturbance deep within the cemetery, they found a particularly large and ornate crypt standing open. Inside it, in the middle of the crypt, they found a body. It had been decapitated and charred beyond all recognition. Ferrant, meanwhile... Was leading midnight vigils in the crypts with esoteric rituals that included everything from following the supposed ghost of a lost girl to naked dancing frenzies, all supposed to be part of their divining the source of a dark power hanging over the cemetery. Because, of course, when you are some kind of occultist, you always try to work in that all the ladies have to dance naked for your thing to work. <laughs> So this all went on for a while until it all seemed to come to a head and a final end in January, 1974. Cause it seemed like the police were finally just like, we, we don't have any patience with this bullshit anymore because they found a headless embalmed body in the driver's seat of a parked car. Ferrant and Manchester were suspects at first, but then they were cleared when it was found to be the work of teens. And one of the teens had even <laughs> had even taken the head home And put it in his room until it started smelling. Um, So the police were just like, all right, we're going to start cracking down on this shit. You know, like, we're going to roust everybody out. You're not, you can't come out here and dance naked and camp and, you know, and do whatever you're doing on here. And that was where Manchester himself, after this, after they both were brought in and charged but then release, Manchester went on to make a living passing himself off as a vampire expert. And there are some videos you can see on Hulu in YouTube of him giving classes. Um, for, for Rant, however, unlike Manchester, was later arrested for vandalizing a cemetery in 1974 and was sentenced to four years in jail. When he got out, he went back to heading the British Occult Society, where he still works. <laughs> Yeah, I bet you he had like mad douchebag cred when he got out. Um, this would seem to have been the end to the story of the Highgate vampire and ending just as unsatisfying and devoid of any truth as any of all those late night hunts, except for one thing, 20 years before in Glasgow, Scotland in 1954, a constable was called to investigate a disturbance at a burial ground called Southern Necropolis. When he, yeah, that's a pretty badass name. I want to back about a comic book series called Southern Necropolis. The dead are coming back, y'all. When he arrived there, he was greeted with a sight of hundreds of local children. Ages ranging from 5 to 14, all of the children were also armed. They had knives and sticks and an assorted homemade weapons. Hundreds of them brought. And also some some of them had even brought their doges. When asked, they told the constable that two local children had been killed and they were there for revenge. The constable told them he hadn't heard of any murders in the neighborhood and that they needed to disperse. However, the next night they came again. Weapons and all. Once again, the constable forced them to disperse. But first he wanted to know who they thought they were hunting. The children all told him the same story, that their two friends had been killed by a vampire. A tall, seven-foot man with sharp teeth and glowing eyes. And that's the end of the Highgate vampire. And that's the end? How can that be the end? That can't be the end. That's the end, man. This this seven-foot glowing eye thing had traveled to Highgate, and then supposedly... Some they some of them said that that burnt body was the vampire and others that they just disrupted the satanic rituals
1: that were trying to bring him back. You got to stop taking on these stories that are actually like eight episodes in one, man. That, oh, no, there's a ton that I read on this that I didn't
0: include because it would be a big like Charles Burns multi-part thing. A lot of it about the wacky hijinks of 60s British occultists. You know, and all the different things they were God. trying to do. Like, that's a whole th- British occultism in the 60s. It's its own,
1: like, yakety sax going on. <laughs> I, do, I, I do wind up cutting a lot of the, the stories about the investigations into these things, especially when the investigators are a bigger story than what I want to talk about. Oh, no. I think the life of, like, Ferrant in, like,
0: Manchester would be a very interesting book. I'm sure they wrote. I think they have. <sighs> I know the Highgate Vampire book exists. That one of them wrote, and there's a book that they wrote on the British Occult Society. So I'm sure they have their very, you can buy their very self-aggrandizing memoirs, I'm sure, about how they are like Van Helsing himself.
1: Oh, the the, autom- the automatic writing episode that I did where the woman was uh, inventing the ghost to cover up the affair, and then the guy was there like throwing rocks at people. Uh, to to make it look like uh, ghosts were breaking things. That guy was also from the Occult Society. Uh. So, yeah, they've got a—we're we're just going to keep tying back to them until we eventually buy, write a book about them. And then it pans out, and we have, like, one of those boards with, like, red yarn going to all these points and stuff, and it's all, like, British Occult Society, question <laughs> mark. Can you imagine if we'd planned out this podcast <laughs> to that level? Pl- planning a out a
0: podcast? <laughs> uh Please. <laughs>
1: It's more like, oh, there's a tweet. I click on it. I read a story. I tell you about it. Um, so Brock and D- Jordan tell you about tweets. Didn't have the same ring as carrying into the void. Or, so or, like, or like shitty lore. <laughs> oh
0: my God. Come on. That's man. how I describe it to people. I like, you like lore? Do you like, but what if lore was shitty and there's two dumbasses making jokes about it? But also, they had feelings. But then, but, but then we're really nice boys at the end. That's the twist. We're not as shitty as we look like we would the, be. The, tw- the twist is that we care. We care about you.
1: <laughs> oh my god!
0: Despite the, in the despite that
1: it's in the title, it's the twist. <laughs> all right, that's the greatest twist of, of all. Oh my god! Yeah, go ahead. So, tearing into
0: the void moment, you are a dark. Wild thing, you stand tall in the night, and the wind whispers its secrets to you lovingly. The ancient stones bask in your attention, and your eyes shine with the very fire of the huntress mother above. There will be those who hate you for this, they will vilify you, they will murmur amongst others that fear your potential and would see you a weak and hunted thing and hunt you. They will. But fear not, for they have no idea of your true shape, how the very shadows themselves welcome you into their embrace. They do not know your true name, because they never took the time to ask, and never will. And that is why, for all their torches and rabble, they are nothing more than the dust in the wind you walk upon, ever upward. Yourself blossoming into something they could never have anticipated something dark and deep and glorious. Fantastic, I really like that one. Yeah, the high gay vampire is just kind of cool. Also, gave us a chance to really explore ourselves. <laughs> and all these people are just, just haters
1: because you're trying to be your true self. <laughs> what you got this week? Uh, so. Uh, this week I've got one that's, uh, this is something that I, I I think I texted your way when it happened. Uh, just going to talk about it uh, briefly. Uh, so uh, this one's called Roy's Game. Uh, a couple of months back, my grandfather passed away. Uh, real hard time. Uh, afterwards, we had to clean out his house. Uh, my grandmother lives there. He was something of a hoarder. We kept finding things uh, that He had really interesting collections, uh, things that you wouldn't traditionally consider a collection, like uh, he would store up a lot of pots and pans because uh, he's somebody that grew up in the Depression. He had a lot of things that he considered for himself to be symbols of wealth or prosperity or just of having made it or his life having value, and one of those things was a pen collection. I didn't really understand that, why he needed so many pens. And I didn't even know while he was alive that he liked pens that much. Then we found out like when he was a kid, he was the only kid in his class who couldn't afford a pencil. Uh, so having pens later in life, like that was a big deal and that. Uh, so he bought really expensive, nice pens and was like, okay, these are all really cool and nice and stuff. Um, and one of the things that I found in the basement, which is something I vaguely remembered existing, but couldn't put my finger on or, or what it was, and I I found it, uh, and it was a big deal, was a board game that he made. Roy made this game, uh, and it's a giant, huge wooden apparatus uh, with a map on it, and when I got it out, I cleaned it up, and inside there was all these pieces of wood and small devices, but uh, there were no instructions, of course, so it became this very dark, funny thing in the moment to be like, oh, uh, do I have to reverse engineer my dead grandfather's board game now? Uh, What kind of spirit does that doorway, does that open up? Uh, And what it is, is it is a game that is, uh, as a kid, he'd owned this game called Gusher, which uh, was a, a game published in like the 30s. And it was uh, about uh, drilling for oil. And so you had this map and you sort of put this geyser on top of various holes and the the wood underneath moved around every game. So you didn't know where things were. You bought up properties and then drilled for oil in various locations and tried to make money off of that. Um, It's a very simple kind of game. And they, of course, don't make them at all ever. So at some point. Uh, when I was a kid, apparently he was like, well, I would like to share that game with uh, Brock. So he made his own version of this game from what he remembered of the game when he was a kid. Uh, and of course, it made all these uh, wildly interesting additions to it. Like uh, instead of the geyser only going either showing that you'd hit oil or you hadn't hit oil, it, it had various levels to it. Uh, so you could hit like a, a certain amount of oil or more or less or things like that. And the thing that I'd never noticed until we uh, found it here uh, was that the map that he'd done was was a very precise construction worker level, which he was a construction worker, did a bunch of plans and maps and stuff. So he'd mapped out the entirety of, of the town that we lived in. But uh, it, the things in that map there were there were a couple of things that were related to the town. And then there was a lot of things that were very just personal to him. Uh, like uh, this is the first house I built, this is the first house I built for myself, other things that were just sort of this personal roadmap for him. Uh, And then there were also just other things from around the world that he liked, like his, like the, the stadium that uh, KU plays basketball in and stuff like that. Uh, and it was just like, they were just also thrown in. Like it, it was just like, and, and, you know, my favorite carnival and stuff like that. So he, he'd made a fantasy world version of our small town. uh, And uh I thought it was just really fantastic. So I do, I have it now. And I, I looked up, The rules to the old game. So I I do understand how it's supposed to be played. Uh, And now just looking for the right night to to play my dead grandfather's board game and uh, and see what comes with that. But it is so clear that that he made this from a place of love and it's built with his own hands and it's out of it's like a 40 pound board. Uh, It's just made out of like the heaviest stock of wood he could he could find. And it's very clearly his handwriting. So, of all the things I could keep from that house, that's, uh, that's the one that's most important to me. So um, here's the, the carrying into the void. Through the splinters of memory, reach back and grab hold of each strand of joy that shines through the big inky of existence. Grab these strands, knot them, and present yourself with a gift. Find a way to condense your pleasure and, if possible, craft it into a finished form that you can share with the world. Perhaps the diamond of your compacted experience can translate to others, thereby becoming a possible strand in their time stream of their existence as well. Helpful tip for that. Uh, remember to tape the instructions to the lid of the box. Or don't. Perhaps their joy is in the mystery. It's just a different kind of fun. Cool. Settlers
0: a Catan ain't got shit on that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. You you know what you're doing in that one. <laughs> even even that even that fancy big set was a katana. That's nothing. <laughs> I just went to Gen Con and it was surprising to me like how many different board game tie ins there are. To things you didn't wouldn't think would have a board game. Like there is a board game for Dark Souls, and I wonder like how do you play that bo- that as a board game? Like does every once in a while someone walks up to you and just like knocks all the pieces off the board and doesn't tell you why <laughs> that's fantastic all right so that was our episodes for this week um do you have anything you want to share with anybody about anything you're doing
1: uh i am i'm just chugging along and it feels pretty darn good um uh the less than silent hills podcast uh is got a new episode coming out doing silent hill three finally um Missouri loves company is getting new episodes together uh the, uh, the emo podcast, The Coolest Kids, is still is still a fun time. And then just uh, check out my writing other places. Jordan, where, where can people find you and what do you want to promote? Um, you can find me currently on uh, the Hottest
0: Singles, um, Dread Singles Twitter account. Um, I'm just making t-shirts on voidmerch.net and writing some things that when they are closer to being finished, we can talk about that. Um, thanks, everybody, for listening. Um, it'd be great if you get a chance. You can go drop us a review and rating in iTunes so that we don't vanish into the abyss of their system um, which we
1: just obviously don't understand the system of their rating their rating system. Yeah, yeah I don't know if I know the name of it either uh, yeah, we can only be in one void at a time or else we'll actually disappear Diagnostics, I don't know um, so we'll see you next <laughs> week
0: with some new stories and remember keep your hearts dark and true and your teeth sharp and many Goodbye! Goodbye. Thank <laughs> you.